Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Damel and the Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Dalton Pepper, former West Virginia big man, former Temple big man. Little nugget about Dalton Pepper. I used to play soccer with Mr. Pepper actually way back in the day in like fourth or fifth grade. He was already huge at that point, so I like to think that I somewhat contributed to Pepper's decent collegiate career. Uh, Dalton Pepper, he subscribes, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. So Friday is Valentine's Day. Taylor, I'll start with you. Any plans for this Valentine's Day with your old lady? Well, I was uh, I had made previous plans to hang out with friend of the program, Jean Hutchison. And then I realized that it was Valentine's Day uh, on Friday. I'm like, yeah, Friday, let's do it. You know, happy hour, no big deal. Just like, hey, let's let's kick it with the boys. And then I forgot that it was uh, 
uh, Valentine's Day on Friday, not Thursday. So uh, just dinner, just dinner. Where are we eating? What we eating? What we drinking? I mean, just wine. We're going to go to uh, Grassroots here in Scottsdale. Did you ever go there when you lived here, Subi? I think one time for a, a work event or work dinner. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. It's also not bad because uh, when you try and make reservations like the Wednesday before Valentine's Day, you kind of just have to pigeonhole yourself into whatever's available. So that's what we're doing. Solid. I am actually the king of double booking and making plans and committing to plans and then realizing like three hours later or a day later that, oh, shit, I'm already booked. I remember actually about a year ago, uh, the guys, you know, me, Shark, and a few others were planning about uh, planning a trip to Miami for a Florida State Miami game. And I said, yeah, I'm in. And, you know, Rachel was like, well, you know what? Why don't we look at our schedules first before you commit? And I said, I kind of threw a temper tantrum. I said, these are my boys. These are my friends. I get to I get to answer and commit when I want. And lo and behold, I was actually going to two weddings that weekend, uh, one of which I was oh. in. So uh, that, that backfired, and I did not go to Miami. Shark, what do you got going on for Valentine's Day? That's disastrous planning, by the way. But not knowing you're going to a wedding one weekend, but two weddings and you're in one of them? My own. Um, for me, we are going to dinner, much like a lot of people. I don't know the name of this place, but I do know that it's a hot and trendy spot in D.C. It's a sister restaurant of a very popular restaurant that recently opened up. So pretty much anybody who's anybody is going to be there. But we got we got a ticket. So I'll probably sam- be sandwiched in there between Dwayne Haskins, uh, John Wall, Mac McClung, um, Bernie Sanders. You know, everybody's going to be there. Are, is the XFL team now the the headline kind of guys? I mean, what about Cardell? Yeah, Cardell might be getting a seat at the table soon. Um, I will. I didn't go to the game, but it did. Most of the bars, at least in downtown DC, in the happening districts, like it was on every single TV. I had to really dig deep to find Seton Hall Villanova was just on some real, one tiny TV in the corner on Saturday. But literally every 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 bar in the city had that game on multiple TVs as well. So like oftentimes you have the bars where there's four TVs right next to each other. They put the DC defenders on three of those TVs. And I was like brokering a arms race to get the Nova and Seton Hall game on there. But I found it. Good. Good. I'm glad. Uh, For us, I'm actually going to a cocktail class at the bar across the street. So uh, I'm going to try and do something other than just put like, half of a solo cup filled with captain morgan and coke uh figure out if i can get any better at that and then i'm going italian baby late night italian at torchio right there on well street i'm trying to sound like rothstein a little bit but i don't know the exact address i don't know the cross streets but torchio friday night best part is that friday night is typically there's no games no good games at least or no notable games so i don't think we're going to be missing a ton in the college basketball world, feel free to keep me honest if you guys have the schedule up. But typically, Fridays aren't that great. Divine eggplant parm on the corner of Fifty Third and Eighth. I might be going carbonara this this Friday. Mm. Mm. I like it, uh, Shark. So in the intro, every intro, I tell the f- listeners and the theater goers to follow people on our Twitter. Uh, last night, you got into a little bit of a tiff with one John Wick. 
And so typically when you get into a fight with John Wick on the surface, that doesn't sound very good. Can you tell the theater goers a little bit about your, your beef from last night? I, I think it's a better question for John Wick. I mean, he, he just, I, we started on the same side. We were actually, I, I can't really remember the chronology of all this, but it had to do with the Maryland Nebraska game. Soup tweeted something out related to how it's a disappointing win for Maryland. And it's like, what? And then this guy, John Wick kind of joined in agreeing with him, how, telling us you got to show up and win every show up to play every single game. And my response to this correspondence was simply, you know, Maryland is 20 and four. Now they've won seven straight games. They play in the deepest conference in the sport. And you guys are upset that they won a game. It was clearly a flat spot for them playing the worst team in the big 10 at home outside of Northwestern. And they still found a way to win. So you're just picking on crap to pick on. And this guy, you know, Wick, he keeps doubling down to, like, how disappointed he was in the team. And I assume that he was a Maryland fan because, you know, why else would you be expressing disappointment in a team winning? And he, one of his rebuttals to me was, like, you, you don't understand. I played the game. As if, like, that's supposed to matter at all. And where would you play, John Wick? I mean, give, give me give me some place to look you up. And he thought that, that he bodied me in the conversation at that point, which point he didn't because I challenged him to play me in one-on-one anywhere in D.C., again, assuming that he was a Maryland fan. I'd play, to him, play him to 11, ones and twos. I'd spot him four, and he could start with the ball. And then he came back saying he was from Georgia. So it just made no sense whatsoever. So John Wick, he got a follow out of me. I'm going to keep following him. Uh, like, come on, man. Is there any better – uh, response to like in a pinch when you're losing an argument, then oh, well, I, I played though, like I played, and I, I know we just it, we're on a different level, you know, because I played. It's like it's like me being a golfer and being a decent golfer, and then saying, oh, well, you know, I'm pretty much like a PGA Tour player because I, you know, played some golf, or you know, me and me and Steph Curry, you know, I'm down at LA Fitness draining threes on people. But, you know, me and Steph, we're real similar because, you know, we both got range. It's like, nah, dog, you have lost this argument if you have to go to the, ah, nah, I, like, I played in high school argument. Because there's, it's, playing in high school means how much in a, in a basketball discussion? Zero? Everything. Zero? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funniest part is that, you know, the shark also played. So, I'm, I, right. I, if, oh, if on, this guy played in, like, college, then I might might side with him. What are you putting the past tense on that? I got a game tonight. I'm still playing. I'm 30 years old. I'm still in the Equinox League in D.C. <laughs> I'm still getting out there, man. I'm not done. So opinion from you two, and this is a, a strong opinion I have, and I hope that all of my buddies who played high school and even college basketball listen to this. I think that all of my buddies who played high school and college basketball know less about basketball than uh, anyone else that I know. Do you guys have a similar experience? I actually do have a similar experience. I'm glad you brought that up. There's actually one person in mind that I'm thinking of, and he might be listening, so I'm not going to call him out. But every time I talk basketball with him, it's just very surface level. And I'm not trying to sound like I know everything. I'm not over here acting like I'm John Hollinger or Rick Buecher or anything like that. But it's just there's no real in-depth criticisms or in-depth thoughts on on the game, which I feel like we can somewhat provide. And he's he's a – He's a player. Yeah, exactly. 
It's Sports Center. It's whatever they watched on Sports Center the previous night. I had an argument the other day with one of my friends who uh, initials are CG and is a high school basketball coach in Alaska. And he was telling me that he thought that Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green played a similar game. Yeah. It, and I said, I said, are we talking about the same Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green that I think we're talking about? Or like, are you, are we referencing other Andrew Wiggins or Draymond Greens that I'm just unaware of at this point? See, I take the, a different approach to this. When I when I meet new people that I become friends with later in my life that haven't known me for a while, I almost put it out there as like a, a disclaimer of learning. Like if we're going to talk college basketball, I have an inappropriate amount of knowledge about this that's going to probably be disturbing to you and you're going to think I'm very weird. So I'm going to get this out here right now. You know, watching March Madness on Thursday and Friday of the opening weekend a different experience for you than it is for me. You need to understand that. So if you want to meet up and catch the games, then you got to know this up front. And it's only, I mean, it's definitely embarrassing as I say this out loud as if I'm like a recovering meth addict or something right now, but it, it is a crippling addiction in, in mid-March. This sounds, a, this sounds a little bit like a, I'm so smart. Just ask me how smart I am type of It is. Oh, no, yeah, I'm a complete asshole about it. I'm not going to deny that, but well, it's also yeah. it's also proper expectation setting because you want to have an, a good time out. You want to enjoy some of these games, and if like perfect example, right? If you're out and everyone's everyone's going crazy and clamoring about the XFL debut, but if I'm over here and I just say to a casual bartender or fan, "Hey, I want to watch the LSU Auburn game," even before it got crazy, I feel like I'm going to get crazy crazy looks, right? But you need to know that an LSU Auburn game to me is like a religious experience almost. You don't know what kind of connections I have on that Auburn bench. You don't understand that I'm looking at the game within the game. I'm looking at Bruce Pearl just as much as I am Isaac Okoro. That yeah, type you, of that type of in-depth right. analysis. People shouldn't be prejudiced about what people care about. You know, that's what this country's all about. Just like I'm not gonna stop someone from you know practicing Islam or uh Judaism or anything like that. Don't stop me and don't make me feel bad about what I care about right here. This is a big what, deal. What's the word for it that the kids say nowadays? Gatekeeping? They're gatekeeping like college basketball? Or are we gatekeeping well, I call, college basketball? I call it the, the legal term discrimination. I don't want to be <laughs> okay. discriminated against. So I have, I have the theory that goes behind this, if you guys would like to hear it. I'm going to say it whether you want to hear it or not. But oh, uh, it, it's the same reason why I think that like college basketball reporters don't actually know as much as they are led to believe by the national media. It's because they're at one game. So like the players that with people that we know that grew up playing basketball or, or still play basketball, they're practicing every night of the week or they're coaching every night of the week or they're at games every night of the week, which means they're not actually watching anything other than the game that they're at. So take any of the sideline reporters or color commentary guys or whatever. We look at them as experts, which they are, but they're not, they can't be as uh, well-versed in the current landscape of college basketball as maybe observers who are from afar because they are at in their arena hours before the game, calling one game, and then hours after that game. There's no chance they can put their eyes on more than one other game than the one they're calling each and every night. Whereas, again, not saying that we are quote-unquote experts, but we can literally watch like 12 games in a night and have a, a good view of everything that's going on rather than the game that's just right in front of us. I'd say the closest one to that is Rothstein. Even when he's doing sideline 
games and when he's covering games, he's on his phone. I feel like Rothstein actually doesn't even get to watch like a, a cumulative full full half of a game that that he's watching live. So I think the closest one we got to is Rothstein. But generally speaking, I agree with your with your position there. Uh, and we'll get to Rothstein here in a little bit. But first, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, we've got three teams, guys, that are mid majors, right? And I think a lot of the country has fallen in love with at least one of them, maybe two, and maybe even all three. And of course, this is theater. So I'm going to liken this to a great film, an all-time film, underrated comedy, which is not another teen movie. I'm talking, is this what your generation considers humor Oscar Wilde? Oscar right? Wilde. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but the way I look at this is these three teams, Dayton, SDU, and Gonzaga individually are like Laney Boggs. They're ugly ducklings. In the, you know, when you take a step back and look at a mid-major, you think that you know uh, they're not going to be that good. They're not that hot. Look at them now. Laney Boggs, she's done her hair. She got rid of the glasses. She's no longer an art freak. This is what Dayton, SDSU, and the Zags are. So – I'm going to open it up to you guys first and foremost. Shark, uh, of these three teams, who has the the inside tracker? Who do you think has a better chance at actually lifting the trophy? I think all three of these teams have a serious shot at going to the Final Four. I'm talking lifting a trophy. Gonzaga. Something about Dayton. Uh, I like Dayton. I think they can definitely get to the Final Four. Uh, San Diego State, I haven't seen them tested quite enough yet, um, but just Gonzaga, just because you know that their coach has been there. He's going to put the best product out that he can each year and that they've been consistently playing within the top five throughout the year. So the, that would be my pick out of all those ugly ducklings uh, to be selected by Chris Evans at the, end of the, at the, at the prom. Yeah, we're going to call this exercise bogs in, by the way, guys. All right. Okay. <laughs> we're bogs in right now. Taylor? So can I steal Dayton from you, even though I think that was going to be your answer? Okay. Of course, yeah. Okay. I think Dayton just because they have the best player of those three teams, and that's Obi Toppin, who might be the best player in the in the country, arguably. I mean, he's that good, and, and it comes to like a crunch time situation in a big game like that. I'm probably picking Obi Toppin to, to take the shot or have the ball in his hands over any player that's on. Malachi Flynn would be a good choice for San Diego State, I think, as well. He's more of a decision maker than he is uh, a scorer, say, like Obi Toppin would be. But I would take Dayton in that situation just specifically because of Obi Toppin. I'd have to 100% agree with you. Yeah, I'm taking Dayton because of Toppin, but also because of the supporting players. Jalen Crutcher, who actually suffered a little bit of an injury, so fingers crossed that that's not a long-term injury for for the Flyers. Jalen Crutcher has proven that he can actually hit a game winner in a hostile environment, which he did uh, against St. Louis. And then also Mike Sell for for Dayton. They have length. They have good wings. Uh, and then since we're talking about Obi Toppin, did we all see that windmill and one that he had? I think that's one of the more outrageous college basketball plays that we've seen here in the past five, six years. But I'm going to go Dayton as well uh, because they have that supporting cast for Toppin. But in addition to that, we saw what they were able to do in a neutral site all the way in Maui against a top five team, a team that I think is still the best in the country in Kansas. And they went to overtime with them early in the year. So I'm going to go Dayton and then right behind them, very close is Gonzaga, 
only because of the pedigree uh, and and what Mark Few has actually built. They even like Petrosev and uh, not it's not Tilly Timmy. They have fucking Tilly and Timmy uh, on on Gonzaga's well, team. So those two guys, Petrosev and Timmy, are really good. I it's not just two. Let me jump in real quick there, Father, because we're, we're focusing on individual players on the other team. Gonzaga's got seven guys that average in double figures: Timmy, Tilly, Petrosev. Yeah, like, uh, all these guys, and they all play a lot of minutes too. So for the the narrative, you got it. You got to pick a team that has one guy that you can ride to the finish. Well, Gonzaga is kind of the opposite of that. You know, I, I like to say Oregon's deeper than a Lou Malnati's Gonzaga, deeper than a Robert Frost pole. Wow, wow. But but my 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 only argument to that would be, you know, are do they have seven players that finish or that average double figures if they play in even a conference like the A10? Or you know, extrapolate that to like a Pac-12, a Mountain West, uh, you know, yeah, even, because you know, even, even harder. There's no they, chance that they would have seven players averaging double figures if they played in a major conference. Zero chance. Oh, I thought you said would those players average that in a different conference? No, no, no. Because I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying, saying they, guys, they right, wouldn't yeah, average. Yeah, right. They wouldn't average 90 points a game if they played in the Big East. You but know, each I mean, one of those, each one of those players probably would average double figures in the A10 or. Um, in the Mountain West, whatever else conference, because Indi- that's what I'm Indi- getting at. Individually. Individually, individually, but not yeah. on the same, not on the same team at the same time, though. Well, they're doing it right now. Well, yeah, in the in the children of the poor conference, that Mister Mister Empty Stats himself is telling us how Gonzaga is so deep when they play. What are you talking? When they playing? play John Wick in conference eighteen times a year. BYU, St. Mary's, that they, and plus, you, that, you know. They're playing in Spokane or Sp- Spokanoke or whatever we're calling it on this episode. That's an Easter egg for you guys listening later today. Um, they're playing in a tough, tough environment right there. Yeah. I get your in front of in front of an average of probably like twenty two hundred people per game in gyms the size of like your guys' high school's gym. I think. Yeah, Shark. I agree to going back to your SDSU point. I agree that they haven't been challenged yet, but they are still undefeated. And they were only leading New Mexico, who's not that great, but I think they only had seven losses on the year. They were leading them by two at halftime and then just turned it the fuck on and ended up winning the game, I think, by 23. They have some ball players as well. The only thing that I'm apprehensive about with SDSU is that they're going to go the route of Wichita State, I think, in 2014 when they had they almost went undefeated and then they had to play an eight-seeded Kentucky in the second round. That's what I'm afraid of for SDSU. Do you see a similar fate happening for the Aztecs, Taylor? Uh I'm you know, I don't know if I see a similar fate, but if of all the teams that uh we have here to choose from, they would be maybe the one I would choose just simply because of that. We've seen Gonzaga have success. Uh, we haven't seen Dayton have as much success, but we've seen them have probably a little more success lately because San Diego State has had a, a kind of a, a downturn over the last couple of years. And yeah, you know, they would you consider the Mountain West to be similar to the uh, who, who, West wait, Coast? Where, no, who was Wichita State? What conference were they in at that time? Was it the Horizon? It might have been Conference USA. Or were they in Conference USA? Because they've switched like three Maybe. times. Maybe. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. Okay. So or American so, Athletic. I don't know. Yeah, they switched. I feel like they switched like every other year. Um, but I do think that Malachi Flynn is good enough to potentially stave off, you know, a, a first two round elimination. Um, Kentucky was the last undefeated team in, in 15. And then, like you said, Wichita 
State was the previous undefeated team before that. Were they undefeated um, though, or were they, did they just have like one loss? Who I forget Wichita State. Were no, they, they were they were undefeated. Oh, they were? Yeah, uh huh. Uh, yeah, they were like thirty four and zero or something going into that Kentucky game. Um, I I don't know. I think that maybe this year in college basketball as a whole doesn't have that because that Kentucky team was ca- talented that they lost to, right? Yeah, they had the Harrison twins. They they had talent, of course. Sure, I just don't see as much. I, there's not going to be a team this year that's an eighth ranked team or an eighth seeded team that's going to have as much talent that that Kentucky team had at the time. In my maybe opinion. maybe not talent wise, but I can absolutely see a game where SDSU has to go up against an eight seeded Texas Tech. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm right. taking Chris Beard every single day of the week, twice on Sundays in that game. Yeah, that's fair. I think that they're of any of the high seeds, of potential number one seeds, and this is kind of what you're getting at, their matchups are going to be the most important of any team, of any high-ranked team going through the tournament for their future success in the tournament. I like this new thing that we're doing then. All right, we got Yostin. Now we're going to get Boggs in. And we got two Dayton Boggs and then one Gonzaga Bog. Can I can I throw in one more uh, uh, Cinderella team that I've previously talked about? This is like the yeah, this is the 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 girl that had braces in high school. You know, she hadn't quite grown into her ear size yet, all that. But then all of a sudden, end of senior year, you're like, "Yo, where'd Wright State come from? Like, she's hot." What happened? How did this come behind my not, like these three teams are are rockets right now. Laney Boggs is, is going to win like the 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 homecoming queen or whatever. I'm not I, I'd I'm say. not saying I'm not saying they're national championship contenders. I'm saying they're the ones that rise quickly through there. Where you're like, oh wow, wait a second, where did they come from? And because it's Valentine's Day week, they are led by my boy Luden, Loud in Love, sixteen and ten. White guy with dreads, you gotta love Wright State. That's my that's my underrated Valentine's get in before they get hot pick. Lot of love, another one. A uh, lot of love for Dayton basketball, Wright State, and of course Dayton. Uh, a few other news and notes actually before we get to our interview with Chris Alfin. Did you guys watch Stuffed with John Rothstein? Did you watch it, the first episode? I only got through five minutes of it, and then I had to go work so i gotta finish it up shark not yet talk to me all right so started out slow not gonna lie he kept looking at the cue card and he also made a mistake by saying peyton pritchard is going up against the ducks Uh, that's just not possible but this was within the first two minutes and of course it's the inaugural episode uh but there it was a little shaky to begin a few other comments from that. He interviewed Bruce Pearl. Apparently, he doesn't eat chicken parm or veal palm parm with cheese. Now, Shark, as our as our paisan here, cheeseless veal and chicken parm. That's a no-go, right? That's got to be a hit on Pearl. Must have incredible sauce or gravy, depending on how you want to refer to it, to go with it. But you got to have that layer, that thick Boil, yeah, like egg white looking mozzarella cheese sitting on top of it where you cook, you get you cut it perfectly and ooh, you get a little of the cheese on. You don't want to have one bite of fully cheese. I'm just thinking about this. I'm kind of pad wilding right now because I'm kind of hungry. But yeah, cheeseless, mozzarella, veal parm, chicken parm. Get out of here. Yeah, a little bit of a critique there for Bruce, but 
man doesn't like cheese. And then also we had a really funny line in the episode. Uh, Bruce just said, you know, I, I moan when I eat. And Rothstein said, oh, yeah, I bet you do moan when you – you probably moan when you coach too. Just a lot of moaning, a lot of coaching, a lot of Rothstein, a lot of food. Um, I don't pass on many meals. I, I moan when I eat. That's how good it is. Well, BP, you moan when you eat. I'm sure you moan when you coach as well. We've seen it. You're schwitzing left <laughs> and right in every game. Good luck with your preparation for everything this week and look forward to staying connected as always along the way. It was it was just a whirlwind of, of 10 seconds or so. Uh, and then he interviewed your boy, Shark Peyton Pritchard. Uh, and I'm going to ask you a question here in a second, but apparently Pritchard really likes rom-coms. So Rothstein went down a list of 10 rom-com movies and Pritchard only knew four exposing himself as the fraud that I had thought he was in the preseason. And he may not be a fraud on the court. I think I've come around on that. Taylor, I know you haven't. But in terms of cinema, in terms of theater, I'm going to call Peyton Pritchard out. Which ones did he miss? Also, Bruce Pearl and Peyton Pritchard were on a Rothstein show. How did I miss this? I'm telling you, yeah. you Watch the show. Subscribe. That's on me. That's on me. I'm doing free peddling over here for, for Rothstein. But uh, some of the ones that he missed, to his, to his credit, were way before his time. It's like asking kids in the draft, in the NFL draft and the NBA draft, like, oh, do you know who like Nas is or do you know who the Backstreet Boys are? And sometimes they don't know. But Peyton Pritchard never saw When Harry Met Sally. He actually – this is going to really grind your gears – he had some negative words about there's something about Mary. He didn't like there's something about Mary. Why not? Yeah. I actually think he hadn't seen it. So here's how I think about it. Rothstein it asked him the first two the first two movies. Pritchard said he hadn't seen it. And then he asked him there's something about Mary. And he kind of was like scrambling. He didn't want to be put on the spot. So he's like, uh, yeah, I didn't really like it. Like your classic, I haven't seen it, but I need to say that I have. Can you run through which five? Do you off the top of your head which five they were? Uh, I think it was there's something about Mary pending. Um, and then I think he said, uh, what's, what's the movie? Fuck, actually, I forget. I, I can't remember. But he, he didn't have six. So, Shark, my question to you is, you got a favorite rom-com? Romantic, romantic day on Friday? It's theater. Ooh. How to lose a guy in 10 days is pretty money. When you got McConaughey looking across the table and when he drops bullshit, just a perfect delivery and a perfect uh, kind of, I guess, metaphor throughout the movie as well. That's how you write a rom-com right there. When he drops the bullshit on Kate Hudson, bring it back to the Oscars as well. 13 going on 30. The performance from Mark Ruffalo in 13 Going on 30 rivals that of Al Pacino in The Godfather 2. Incredible. I should have done a little bit more, maybe three minutes of that on my 15-minute soliloquy on Tuesday. But those two are immediately are jumping to mind. Um, there's countless others. You can, you can always rinse and repeat, watch, run those back. How, uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days was one of the movies that he had asked Pritchard, I for, I can't remember if he said he watched it, but that was on the list. Taylor, you got a favorite rom com? I'm gonna go with Crazy Stupid Love. Great theater. Big fan of that one. And then actually, kind of a little bit out of left field. It's complicated. 
also as well. Cool. Yeah, I, you know, great, great theater. I think uh, on both of those would maybe go with a third if I needed to. Uh, he's just not that Indian as well. I love those movies, Taylor. Especially, actually, Valentine's Day is another one of those type of movies where you have all it's, these different storylines. It's almost too cliche. It's, yeah, it's almost too cliche to though. You know, it's just if it, if the titles were something other than New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day, it's almost like too cliche. If, not, I mean, rom coms are like by yeah. definition like cliche type of movies, but uh, still great theater regardless of that. This is the only like sub segment of the theater world that I actually have li- literally any input in at all. So. Raise your hand, give us constructive feedback. We'd love to talk rom coms some more. <laughs> That's fine with us. Uh, not uh the movie that you just referenced though is just not that into you top five worst characters in all of cinema tv and movies actually is the girl that's the the girl that's obsessed with justin long oh, 100% is the worst oh, she I, sucks. Like I, I thought you were gonna say e e was terrible just thirsting over scarlett johansson in that entire movie yeah e, e, e is he is the same guy that he is an entourage he's just a like a, no, he had some, some balls and entourage in this one. It's just a little. little it takes it, it takes yeah. him a lot of time to grow those balls and entourage. But no, the girl that is pursuing Justin Long, she's the one. She's the puppy. Yeah, she sucks in that movie. Yeah, I, thought, I thought it was cute. You know, she's she, it cute. It's good. Just I don't so, say cute a lot. She's so blind. That. So blind the whole episode. Come on, get a grip, <laughs> guys. Can I, I give a shout out this year? I guess a recent one, the one with um, on Netflix with Keanu Reeves, uh, uh, always, always be my maybe. That one delivered as well. It did, especially yeah. with, <laughs> especially with uh, with that cameo from Reeves. I mean, that was jaw dropping. Uh, and then one last news and note: previous episode again. This falls under the kiss of titch category. I'm starting to hashtag it so I can get a nice category. Uh, of how we've impacted and spoken things into existence. Last episode, we discussed Noah Eagle and Ian Eagle. And wouldn't you know it, the Clippers, I think, were playing the Sixers the other night. And Noah Eagle is apparently the radio guy for the Clippers. So as we know, Ralph Lawler, legendary Clippers uh, broadcast guy for TV, retired last year. So they picked someone from the radio booth to go to the TV booth leaving an empty seat, and lo and behold, Noah Eagle, he's in there. 22 years old, man. That's the dream right there. That's incredible. He sounds like he's 40 years old, though. Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think you can claim nepotism or anything on this one. The, kid, the kid's got the voice of, a, of an eye and eagle, so just keep running that for another 40 years for us. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say what I said in our group chat and that he's soaring through the field. If I may, uh, I'm doing we could probably go to say that he has a great eye for basketball if we wanted to. Um, Dad works for CBS. Keep going. Keep going. And that he should be protected at all costs. Um, and that hopefully he finds a good nest as the host of, uh, you know, the voice of a uh, college team here real soon. Now, was this straight off the tongue? Was there was, any prep it involved? Was, it, no, it was. It was actually. That was right off, right off the top, right there. That's why can't we're the shoot, best in the biz. Can't shoot, can't shoot me down when it comes to bird puns, Sue. So, 
shoot you down. Yeah, I'll give it to you. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get to our interview with Penn State diehard fan Chris Alfin. But before we do that, a message from the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, we now welcome friend of the program and Penn State fanatic Chris Alfin. Penn State riding one of their best seasons in school history, so we did want to get Alf here onto the program to talk a little bit about them. But do us a favor, Alf, before we get into the questions, can you give the theater goers and even Taylor, who just met you about a minute ago, give some of them uh, the, the context about your Penn State fandom? Hey, first of all, thanks for having me. A big fan of the show. Always wanted to be a part of theater and I'm, I'm happy to be here. What my fanhood of Penn State basketball has been like, it's been torture. There's been nothing but losing. We, we, we lose all the time. And, I, and I've been a fan when my team has lost. I'm not a, a bandwagon fan. I've gone to games by myself when I was a college student back in 2011, well, the last time they made an NCAA tournament, and they haven't made an NCAA tournament since. Uh, but I've been rooting for them all along, and this is our year. We're second in the Big Ten. It's unbelievable. You know, I, I appreciate you going right off the bat with how tormented you've been. I was thinking more along the lines of, well, I went to school here, and then ever since I've been set on my own tailgate, things like that. But, I mean, that's a deep-rooted uh, hurt that it seems like you have with Penn State basketball. I love college basketball. But it's always been kind of tough to be a fan of college basketball when my team wasn't a top team, when they weren't a top 25 team, when they were in the bottom of the Big Ten. There was no excuse for Penn State basketball to be as bad as they have been for the last 10 years. Um, We're a major Big Ten school with the best athletic facilities in the country. And we're an hour and a half away from Philadelphia one of the greatest cities for producing high school basketball players. And we've never had a, we've never been a basketball school and I've always been a basketball fan. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough, you're like one of, there's at least dozens of you as basketball fans at Penn state that, that that's their number one. You know, can I bring the show together as to why this works out so well that you're on a show with some Arizona alumni that 2001 team lost to Temple, sadly, in the NCAA tournament. Subramanian, can you tell me in what arena Penn State lost that uh, 2011 game in the second round to Temple? Was that in McHale? McHale Center in Tucson, Arizona. So that's how we're going to bring this all together here, us, us Arizona and Penn State guys. But I'm glad you brought up what you just brought up because, you know, I, I've never thought of Penn State as a basketball school, obviously. But I'm thinking back over my my years as a basketball fan and i'm like ah, well they had to have snuck in there a couple times you know and when i pulled up their wikipedia today to say all right how many tournament appearances does penn state have i'm thinking nah you gotta have a thrown a couple dozen in there and i'm like seven 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 entire tournament appearances for penn state basketball i was shocked personally because like i said i don't think of them as basketball school but I, I, I mean, you've kind of already shared your feelings, but like maybe you can share like what's the feeling around the Penn State program that this is, yeah, what the best, the highest they've been ranked, is it ever or at least close to ever? 
At what are they? Twelve or thirteen right I, I now? I think it might be. I think it might be. They they were they had a team in the nineties that made a lead eight run, uh, but that was it. We won the we won the NIT in two thousand nine, and we won the NIT in what was it two thousand fourteen, two thousand sixteen, and other than that, zero zero uh, NCAA appearances since Coach Pat Chambers was hired. Yeah, like how does a guy last? Maybe just because it's a non-basketball school, so to speak. But like, oh, I, I have it up in front of me here. They were they they reached uh, number nine in two, 1996. So, uh, and this is the first time you guys have been ranked since 1996 as well. But explain to us maybe how does a guy like Pat Chambers, uh, you know, only making what one tournament or in in nine years? Uh, how does how does a guy keep his job there? You know, is it just well liked by the fan base or? Well, you know, what are your feelings? On he that? is not. I, I, it's a great question. I don't have the answer for it. And, and, and Pat Chambers blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> I've, well, I've gone through the years of losing games that we should win, um, seeing teams that were talented losing games in the second half. And, you know, maybe I said one or two things on to him on Twitter, and I'm, I'm blocked by Pat Chambers. So personally, Alfin, You've had a lot of critiques of Pat Chambers this year specifically. Have you? Are you singing a different tune, or are you still with it? I'm still with it. I think this team is very, very talented. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any excuse. You have one good year. There's no excuse for the last ten years of not being a, at least a decent team. I'm not saying they need to be, you know, a top twenty team all the time. That would be nice. Uh, but you know, when you're in the Big Ten, once in a while you have to make the tournament. I'm saying one out of four years, not one out of 10 years. So I want to look across the hall at the football program as well. You're obviously a football school, James Franklin. And Franklin always seems so positive. That's kind of, as a neutral fan, that's how I view James Franklin. Pat Chambers gives off a very negative vibe. Uh, can you explain the dichotomy between the two? And I know uh, the fan base is is obviously liking James Franklin a little bit more than Chambers, but am I wrong in assuming like one is a lot more positive than the other? Pat Chambers, he gets, he gets so angry during the games. He starts yelling at people and yelling at the players. I don't see how that benefits the team, but it seems like the players actually do like him just like they like James Franklin. The most important thing I believe in a college coach, whether it's football or it's basketball can you be a great recruiter? I think James Franklin is a terrific recruiter and a terrible coach. I think Pat Chambers is not a very good recruiter and a terrible coach. Uh, those are the you want to have one or the other, right? <laughs> Having said that, let's talk about this year's team because they're on a roll. And, and I'm kind of in a corner where I'm critiquing Pat Chambers, but at the same time, if you're, it, it, there's no critique, and when you're a top twenty team, and you know they're doing what they're doing right now, and it's just unbelievable. It's an, it's, it's been an unbelievable trip. So, you mentioned how you used to go to basketball games by yourself. Do you remember where you were at on March first, two thousand eleven? That was the NCAA tournament against Temple, where they. Uh, lo- no, no, you're a little. That was the last sellout at Bryce Jordan Arena until this last week where they had I their know. first salad since 2011. That's, that, that is awesome. 
That you're exactly right. And I actually do remember where I was. I was on a bar tour uh, through the streets of State College, and I left the bar tour to go into the game and then rejoin the bar tour. Yeah, I, I won't bring up the result of that game, but you were playing number one Ohio State at the time. But so I, I thought it was super interesting. I was going back through the uh, attendance of this year. The previous game home game that you guys had uh, before you guys beat Michigan State was uh, against um, uh, Indiana. And there was something like 8,000 people there. And then you guys go and beat Nebraska and beat Michigan State in the Minnesota game. It sells out. I mean, it doubles the, the the attendance there. Did you did have you gone to any games this year, including recently? Or no, I think that that that's a good point about Penn State athletics as a whole is that there are a ton of students there that love sports. They love the football. They love the hockey. They love professional sports. They're from Philadelphia and they're from Pittsburgh, but they don't show up to college basketball games for some reason. I don't know why. Unless they're good. And and you're absolutely right to point out that, you know, nobody was really at the games in the beginning of the season. Then they started showing up once, they're, once they were good. Uh, Penn State fans only like good Penn State basketball. They don't show up for the b- bad Penn State basketball. I also say this, the Bryce Jordan Center, which is the arena which Penn State plays basketball, they got recently got rated as the worst Big Ten stadium. And uh, I, I think they're – that rating was correct. It's not a good stadium. It's not a good place to watch a game. So, Alvin, what is a good finish for this Penn State basketball team this year? I want you to compare that to what your outlook was back in maybe September versus where we're at right now, leading on the road at Purdue as the number 13 team of the country. <laughs> That's a good question. If you asked me at the beginning of the season, I said, if we get selected on Selection Sunday, that is a successful season. You know, I thought this team was going to be good because we had a lot of returning seniors. We had Mike Watkins coming back, uh, and I just thought that this team was just going to play really well. Um, I didn't think they would be a top 15, top 20 team. So, But now I'm starting to get greedy. Sweet 16, Penn State, that would be a success. Is it fair? I'm, I'm just racking my brain right now. And Taylor, you can help me out. Alvin, you can help me. Are you guys the best team in Pennsylvania? Is it you and or Villanova at, like at this moment right now? It is. And we're ranked higher than Villanova right now. Right. And that's a big pride of Penn State. Wow. Did you ever think wow. that like three years removed from Villanova winning two championships that at some point, Pat Chambers and Penn State would be ranked higher than Nova this deep into the season. It's mind-boggling. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. It's awesome. I just I hope that the tournament selection committee give me. Do you want a Villanova Penn State matchup in the tournament, or would you dread that? Uh, I would love it. I mean, I'm not a Pennsylvania kid. I don't really get tied up into the Pennsylvania rivalry, but I would love that. Uh, I saw one projection where we play Temple first round and Villanova the second round. That would be unbelievable. Oh, it would just be madness in the streets of, of Philadelphia. That would be awesome. I would love I'd love to be there for that. But, but that gets back to my other point is why are Temple and St. Joe's and Villanova, they have all these great teams. It's because they're close to Philadelphia. They go out and recruit Philadelphia kids. Why can't Penn State get those guys? 
Are you tell me why not? I don't know. I don't know. And, and and I'll tell you something. Pat Chambers is a Philadelphia guy. He was an assistant for Villanova. He grew up in Philadelphia. Uh, he got his first head coaching job at BU. He he got to the tournament with BU, and then he came to Penn State. And the idea was he was going to recruit Philadelphia guys. Um, and you know this might be the first time where he's put a team together that. And all these guys, the majority of them are all from Philadelphia. Some of them are even from the same high school. Uh, but that was the idea of getting Pat Chambers, which is recruit uh, Philadelphia guys. And it's been 10 years until, until it's actually worked. Yeah, but Pat Chambers is as Pennsylvania as you can get. Born in Pennsylvania, played at Philadelphia, coached at Philadelphia and Nova, and like you said, in Penn State. I mean, that is a guy that is is Penn State or Pennsylvania through and through. You would think that he would have a – and he's a young guy, too. He got the job when he was 40. You right. think that he would have a um, a real connection to all the local recruits around there. Yeah, so, Alvin, right now you're ranked 13 in the country. You're a lock for the tournament. What do you think Don't is more – Don't say that. Don't say that because <laughs> – you're a lock, because man. because I'm going to come out of this podcast and then they're just going to lose every game the rest of the season. That is it. You know that? No, I don't. Because let me tell you what the kiss of Titch is, Alfin. The guest that we've had on this program, Mike Burgomaster, assistant director of basketball operations for Auburn. They're 21 and two right now. We had them on last year. They went to a Final Four. All right. Uh, and then who else? I, I mentioned Hasgard. Justin Hasgard. Justin Hasgard, Rhode Island man. They're making a tear and and stampeding towards an NCAA tournament berth when they were supposed to be rebuilding. This is the best thing you could have done. No, I These are the best 30 minutes you can give. Let me tell you something. I know the history of it. I think the reverse is going to happen because that's what happens to Penn State basketball <laughs> is when things are supposed to go right, they go wrong. That's what I'm used to. Well, I respect your apprehension. Regardless, I'm still going to ask this question. What do you think is more likely to happen sooner? A Final Four berth or a national title berth in football? What a great question. Uh, more likely to happen national championship in football. And then I'm after just that, a birth. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and then after that, a Frozen Four appearance by our hockey team. And then yeah. a March Madness uh, Final Four by, by the basketball team. I hope I'm wrong, this year, I mean, this is the team. I mean, because this team, Mike Watkins is gradu- graduating. And, um, you know, and so I, I don't I don't see how this team could 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 be as good next year. So I, this is the year that we have to do it. So is Mike Watkins. Are you if let's say that you guys can make that run this year. Is he the key to success, you think, in the tournament? Mike Watkins is an interesting guy. If you watch him at his best, he is the best center in all of college basketball. He is a difference maker. He is a guy that can win you games in the tournament. The problem with Mike Watkins is that at certain games, he decides not to show up. He does have a history of having some mental issues. He punched a guy in line at a McDonald's once. He has, he has uh, you know, mental issues. And there's times where I feel like the game is too big and he just doesn't show up. My fear is we make the tournament and, you know, Mike Watkins doesn't show up. He did have, I, I, yeah, I'm reading it, you know, like he had 17 boards against Nebraska, you know, and there's games that he had 16 boards against Wake Forest, 16 boards against Syracuse. But then two games later, he has 
four boards against Yale, of all people, who probably doesn't have a guy over 6'6 on their team. It's interesting you say that, and that's not something I would have noticed without that. Is Yeah, he's kind of all over the place, seemingly, with his effort. Sometimes he puts up like 14 shots a game. Then the next game he'll put up, he'll go 0 of 3 from the field. That's got a wild disparity for a senior of, of all people, a senior starter on a on a highly ranked college <laughs> basketball team. He is at times awesome. And at other times, he just doesn't he it, it's almost looks like a mental thing with him where he just says, you know, this is too tough. I don't feel like playing today. Well, guy looks like he's damn near 35 years old, too. He does look very old. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, Penn State is an old team. They have, you know, Lamar Stevens, their best player, is a senior as well. Uh, you have the graduate stu- uh, uh, student, uh, Curtis Jones, who's also a senior, uh, or his last year of eligibility. So this is this is kind of it. You know, there is no next year. But, you know, when you have a good year, it always helps the recruiting. So who knows? So the reason I ask that, I don't know if it's necessarily it. The only reason I say that is because we've seen idiots like George Mason in South Carolina and like Loyola Chicago go to a Final Four. And this is the only sport where psychosis like that really happens. Uh, And so I just want to – in all of my years, Alphans, there's a a lot of teams that randomly make an Elite Eight run or a Final Four run. I wouldn't – I mean, and if you're setting the culture here – with Pat Chambers, just maybe a little, maybe a little optimism. So what you're saying is they're going to be this great team this year, and that's just going to turn them into a great team forever and ever and ever. And we're going to become a basketball school because of this one year. Well, that no. would be amazing. I don't know <laughs> if it's going to happen though. I'm, I'm like, you know, just one year for Penn State. I don't know if it's going to be enough. I hope it is, but I'm just expecting the worst. Well, speaking of this year specifically, the Big Ten has actually had a great storylines, both good and bad for those teams. You look at Rutgers, they were ranked for the first time in I don't know how long. Uh, you look at Illinois, I actually I, I can't harp on it enough. I'm kissing my own ass, but I chose Brad Underwood as the Big Ten coach of the year prior to, to the season starting. They're making some headway. Michigan State, on the other hand, they were preseason ranked number one. Now they're not ranked at all as we – record this today make your case Alfin, for why penn state is the best storyline in the big 10 penn state last year went seven and three in their last 10 big 10 games before that i think they were something like one in 10 in their pen in their big 10 games this team as good as the big 10 is and and it's the best conference in basketball i hope nobody is denying that it's the best conference in basketball. This Penn State team is the real deal. They have experience, and they have guys that are really into the game. They're really competitive. They care. And, you know, as much as I like to rag on Pat Chambers, he keeps his guys focused, especially at the end of the year. That's kind of where Pat Chambers' bread and butter is. And I kind of get upset with them every year because they say, Pat Chambers, this team is playing so well. Why weren't they playing this well in January? But this team is very dangerous. And this team has won in the tournament when they played in the NIT. Uh, and, they, and they've and they made runs in the Big Ten tournament under Pat Chambers. So this, this team is the best storyline in, in, in the Big Ten. Because everybody else in the Big Ten has had a story. This is Penn State's first story. This is our year. I, lo- I love it. I love it. I love it. Could you imagine if... 
Rutgers and Penn State like tie for the Big Ten championship. That would just be anarchy in the Big Ten. I would I would love it. Maybe this is what makes Penn State a basketball school, though. Is or not, or at least towards the right direction is hanging that Big Ten banner in uh, the basketball arena. Maybe that's the one thing that every year now Pat Chambers can point up and say, "Hey, Michigan State was preseason ranked number one in this conference, and who took home that banner?" We did. I think this is it. I, I'm. I'm. I was. I was mum about Penn State's future before this. I'm fully on board now, just because. Of, just because of you, Alf. I'm in. I'm. I'm fully on board. You're it's. Getting, it's. It's your excited. year. It's your you're, year. I'm getting too excited. I really don't. Don't be talking about this. One game at a time. <laughs> I like that approach. Uh, so you've you've spoken to the depth of the Big Ten, and I agree they are the best t- uh, conference in America. And in the beginning of the year, we saw Michigan State. They didn't necessarily get out so hot, but they were preseason number one. Michigan and Ohio State absolutely started off on a tear. Be honest with yourself. Selfishly, does does it feel good? Do you kind of get a Grinch smile seeing Michigan and Ohio State have the wheels kind of fall off right now? I don't think Michigan State is dead. I can't believe what has happened to Ohio State. And Sorry, be- real. I meant to say Michigan. My bad. Oh, I mean, yes. To answer your question, yes. I mean, I, well, I thought in the beginning of the season that Ohio State was going to be the best team in the Big Ten by far. I said, "Wow, this Ohio State is Ohio State team is unbelievable," and they have just completely dropped off. But Michigan State and Michigan, I don't think that Michigan is a well-coached team. I think they're a talented team, and to be honest with you, I don't think Howard's doing a good job there in Michigan. And Michigan State, you know, they're obviously a well-coached team, and I, I wouldn't count them out. You know, they're on a slide, but, you know, Izzo will get a team together before the season's over. So it's I think it's too early to say that Michigan State is going anywhere. Alfred, you're also a big Boston College Eagle fan, and so obviously the Shark is as well. They've had their struggles over the past few years. It really hasn't been a great college basketball viewing experience for you. Uh I'm glad you, you have your alma mater in Penn State performing well. Your childhood team, though, what needs to be fixed for them if we pivot to the Eagles? Boston College needs to take athletic seriously. The students don't show up to the games. They don't care. Nobody cares about Penn St- uh, about Boston College basketball. I go to games all the time. The stadium is empty. Um, the problem with Boston College is to be a student there, even a student athlete, You actually have to study. And there's a lot of players that aren't interested in playing for schools like that. I mean, they they haven't been good since Al Skinner was the coach. And he did a great job job recruiting a lot of good players. Uh, but But then the school said, hey, these guys aren't getting good enough grades. And they started creating standards. And they haven't been, you know, obviously good at all since that point. They're not bad this year, though. I mean, they beat Virginia. Um, they played tough against um, Duke. I mean, they're they're decent this year. So uh, looking back, you know, kind of going back to your Penn State fanhood and all the torture that you've been through, outside of maybe, you know, obviously making the tournament in 2011 is a high point, but do you have a, a specific favorite uh, memory of Penn State basketball? <laughs> Well, they played one tournament in New York City, uh, and I went down there. Uh, the Big Ten tournament was in New York City. They did that for one or two years, and I went to 
to a game, and it was awesome. It was like the feelings of having the Big East tournament there. And uh, now they're playing in Indianapolis again, and I'm not sure why. I think the Big Ten tournament belongs in New York City. Well, how many how many more conference tournaments can we get in New York City? Don't we have the A10, Big Ten, and then obviously the Big East? Well, that was what was happening was that 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 some of the games were being played, you know, two weeks before the other conferences had their tournaments because they needed to make arrangements so that both could play in the MSG. But why not the Big Ten? The Big Ten should be playing in the MSG. You make a case. Who's the Big Ten commissioner? Who would you write your letter to? There's a new commissioner. I forget his name, but he's <laughs> he's brand new, like two weeks ago. All right. Well, I mean, what better way than to rip the Band-Aid off, start knocking on his door? Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren. Let's get him on the line here. He's not going to be as free as he is within his first two weeks. I'll tell you Right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Alfin, I'm going to let you go here on my last two questions. I know, again, you don't want to look forward to the tournament, but I got to ask you these hypotheticals because I don't know the next time Penn State's going to be this good. So let's dream a little. Let's have some fun. Uh, Talk to me about... Let's say you guys are scheduled for that 1 p.m. game on a Thursday. What's what's the game plan? How where are we watching? What are we doing? First of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on the record. If Penn State makes the NCAA tournament, I will be there in person. I, I will that. be there. No, nope. and, and it's my understanding that the better seed you are, the more likely you get the regional spots. Uh, so you always got to root for your team to get a higher seed so that we can get the East uh, region so I don't have to travel to California for the game. So no matter the t- the the day, time, location, even round of 64, you're going to be there? I think one of the rounds is in, uh, is in Spinoke, Spinoke, Washington. I don't think I'll be there. But pretty <laughs> Spokane, much. Spokane, man. Some out there on the West That's Coast. That's where my area. family, I have family there, damn oh, it. You can, and I was going to offer, I straight up had it pulled up in front of me. I said, hey, you can stay at my aunt's house while you're there, but not not if you can't put the right name to the right yeah, writer yeah, or anything yeah. like that, man. Come on. Yeah, no, I'm from Boston. I think the whole West Coast is just California. Like, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Well, you kind of ruined my next question, but let's say, for example, like, God forbid, you're not able to make it out to those games in person. There's a quick little quiz for you, Alvin, and I'm going to be doing this to the guys as, as the tournament approaches oh boy. off the top of your head. Tell me right now, what's, what channel is TBS? 31. What channel is true TV? Uh... <laughs> With the uh... books, baby. Oh. <laughs> I love that. I love that. The C button on Xfinity remote. That's what you need. <laughs> there you go. There you That's go. That's true. That's true. I just want to leave you with this. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. All right. <laughs> Remember that, Alf. As long as I know how to grab beers, that's all I need for the tournament. Boom, boom. There you go. What a way to end it. Hey, man, I really appreciate you hopping on and talking Penn State basketball. Congrats on a great season thus far. Best of luck moving forward in your fandom, and we'll catch up down the road, all right? We are Penn State. (laughs) Thanks again to Chris Alfin for jumping on the program to talk Penn State. Every fiber in my being uh, was laughing when he couldn't pronounce Spokane because people actually right now, if people don't know, and Taylor, you're the resident Pacific Northwest guy, people don't know if it's Spokane or Spokane, but somehow Alfin introduced a third pronunciation, (laughs) which is, I mean, forever, I'm forever grateful to him for that.
I mean, I've heard Spokompton a lot. Um, I have relatives that live in Spokane, as I just referenced there. But yeah, I've never heard anyone uh, go quite off the rails uh, with the pronunciation of, of a name quite like Alf just did. Love him. I'm such a big Penn State basketball fan now. We add them to the list. Iowa, Auburn, Penn State, Illinois, Maryland, Oregon. These are our guys. We pretty much kicked Arizona off that list, haven't we? Yeah, well, they just disappoint. Uh, but what doesn't disappoint, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Taylor. So because we are a Penn State podcast now, uh, Nittany Theater, I don't know. I don't know where, where we'd go with that. But uh, uh, where are we? Or where is this guy? It's Taylor Battle, the lead point guard, best player on Penn State's 2011 team, the last time they made the NCAA tournament. He played uh, overseas for a number of years, uh, still participates in the, the basketball tournament, TBT. But now he's a financial advisor for Morgan Stanley in Albany, New York. He has several Twitter handles, one being professional, and that's Taylor ba- at Taylor Battle MS, MS for Morgan Stanley. Or there's his personal one, which is my personal preference, and that is Bubby Battle, at Bubby Battle. Uh, he is a part of the Lynch and Battle Group at Morgan Stanley. And uh, yeah, located there back in his hometown of Albany, New York. My uh, favorite thing that I learned about him in doing a little research into his life is that uh, he has a brother named Boo Booey, B-O-O, Booey, that plays at Northwestern. So that's where Taylor Battle is now, advising the people on their finances in New York's capital city. Either real estate or finance, if you're not going to go be a professional athlete somewhere, that's where you can go into the world if you're a college basketball player, notably. We've literally only seen two like careers in this. One was a teacher, I guess. But other than that, it's been real estate or finance. Very even true. Though, oh, even no, though no. He, Lee Humphrey was in HR. Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. All-time leading three-point shooter, two rings, all that. I'm in HR now. <laughs> Shark, you got a hug for us? Yeah, I'll give my hug um, – before I read this song, I just wanted to say uh, Taylor Battle, when you look at his LinkedIn page, doesn't even really brag about being a, uh, a basketball player at Penn State. Just says, I was there from 7 to 11. Didn't even mention the basketball team. Humble. That's the kind of guy that you want handling your money. No, um, you, got, anyway, you got you got to click the more information on No, the, I did. He okay. said he was a professional basketball player for seven years that it was just overseas. You didn't even specify uh, why. Yeah. I, we might uh, – Two-time first-team Big Ten selection, 2009 NIT oh. champion, 2009 nah, that's, that's World Championship games. <laughs> All-time leading scorer with 2,213 points. No, but you're right. Humble. He's just, right. hum- just humble. You know? It's fine. I want a guy that's cocky handling my money as well. I'm going to argue <laughs> no matter what for Taylor Dadaville. Um, but yeah, anyways, my hug is going to go to Marsha Blackburn. You might not know that name, but she is a U.S. senator from Tennessee. She, uh, if you guys don't know, on Tuesday of this week, we're recording this on Thursday, but there was a U.S. Senate subcommittee on the manufacturing trade and consumer protections, name, image, and likeness, the state of intercollegiate athletic compensation. And basically what that meant was Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, had to go sit in the chair that we saw like Brett Kavanaugh and um, other various folks that have had to sit in front of the Senate subcommittee testify and just receive a bunch of questions from uppity senators asking 
uh, trying to get sound bites. But I kind of like what this senator from Tennessee, Senator Blackburn, mentioned, where basically her opening line was like, you know, we talked last week, um, but I have to tell you, I was so disappointed in everything you said last week. You're you're getting after it. Mark Emmert, it was not an easy afternoon, but my hug's going to go to the senators for getting after these guys. Vicious. Sharp. That's what we look for in our senators. Taylor, you got a you got a hug as well. Yep, not leaving Penn State, staying at State College. Jesus Where Christ, man! This is this the second half of this program has just been a deluge of nit, Nittany Lion. Hey, once a decade, okay, we get the opportunity to talk about Penn State basketball. As Alf just said, this is only the second time in his life. Um, but this, if I was a college student, and I'm sure you guys would agree with this, would have been a monumental. Uh, type of evening for us and that is a bar in uh, uh, State College Pennsylvania champs downtown they offered one dollar and 13 cent Bud Lights as well as 13 cent tot nachos while they lasted two dollar Red Bull dread bombs and then after 10 p.m. after the game because Penn State was ranked 13th 13 cent beers for the rest of the night if you guys can't support that then I'm not sure what you can support, really. Does every university, is it fair to say that every university or college has a bar called Champs? Yeah, actually, it's, yeah, you have to. And every mall has a Champs, too, but not not doing the same thing that this Champs was doing. I'm pretty sure in every place I've ever lived, there's never been a bar, bar called Champs. So maybe you guys just flock in the Southwest, I guess, just has a lot of them. Penn, Penn State is pretty Southwest, so yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> But I'm, where you guys, you guys are talking. You guys have spent your time in the Southwest. You live where we live, have champs. That's what. That's what I was. Doing. Just, I'm pretty sure every college or university has a champs. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. That's my. That's my rebuttal. So I think what we need to do is once we get our sponsor to replace Blue Note Bourbon, we need to go to every single campus, check out if it has a champs. Yep, there is nearest a champ. champs in the vicinity. There is a Champs uh, Sports Saloon here in Phoenix, uh, with six miles from ASU's campus. So not quite on campus, but there is one here as well. Find your nearest one of the DMV area, Shark, and, and you can get actually, or we can go down to Georgia, maybe grab a picture with uh, with John Wick. I'll stick to the Buffalo Wild Wings. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right, I will finish it up now with uh, two quick hugs. First of all, Brian Tyree. Ole Miss guard, he dropped 40 points against rival Mississippi State, and it seems as if Kermit Davis and Ole Miss is trying to just play spoiler for a lot of these SEC teams on the bubble. But Tyree is a name that not a lot of people have heard. You could argue that he's the best scorer in the SEC right now. Uh, so hug for Brian Tyree. And then also a legitimate hug to Ayo Desunmu. Uh, injured himself, very last play, Illinois versus Michigan State game, and I, I hate to say it, but it is now officially danger time for the Brad Underwood Coach of the Year, Big Ten, a uh, Big Ten Coach of the Year, excuse me, because of what Alfin just told us in Pat Jam- Chambers and the season they're having, Steve Peichel, even at Rutgers. Uh, so these two losses, remember this weekend, if if Underwood doesn't win Coach of the Year, Maryland and Michigan State at home, both games where Illinois led either very very late or had a large margin uh, and they didn't pull out the victory so but 
this is not this is me being selfish. True hug to Ao Desunmo. Well, I, I I'm in your support. I don't think we expected Illinois to win the conference for him to win the coach of the year anyway. So I I don't think you're dead just because it, just if it, even if Illinois doesn't win the conference, not dead. Danger zone though. Okay, it's it, it's now in trouble. Officially in in trouble right now. So is is are you thinking Turgeon is potentially the coach of the year candidate now? Lead. He could be. Fuck, that'd be my word. If I if I have to if I have to come on this program with a Turgeon and Willard and face <laughs> the shark, I mean, I might I might just give up the program. As Peyton Pritchard hits a three to win like the Pac-12 tournament, too, all happening the same day, just the downfall. The, the, the Titch Foundation starts to crumble. So you guys are you're saying this out loud, and I hope you're finally starting to realize that I am on the money this year. I am hot. All right? I am drilling each and every one of these picks so far. Oh, yeah. Start okay. respecting it. No, see, you saying that out loud actually just gave me newfound confidence just right now. So we're, we're still riding the Underwood train. But uh, we wish you a wonderful, lovely, happy Valentine's Day on Friday. Make sure you listen to Outcasts. Happy Valentine's Day. I do that every single year. It's a great song. Uh, but thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the week and the games. Jam.